uh, 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 Barth described Arthur as a monster who was mean, abusive, and he was violent. And at some point later in life, Arthur was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And in that time, he realized uh, that, his, that his life was broken and it was in need of repair. And the more Arthur trusted Christ with his life, the more he experienced a radical transformation from the inside out. Arthur's heart changed. Arthur's attitude changed. Arthur went from beating his son to praying fervently for his son. And because Arthur experienced God's transforming love, he was able to fully love others. At the end of Arthur's life, Bart described his dad's transformation like this. He said, my dad changed from a monster to the most godliest man I've ever known. Arthur's passing was an inspiration for the song, I Can Only Imagine. And that song points to heaven. It's a future guarantee for those who believe. It's a place that's glorious. It's inspiring. It's uplifting. And it's not so easy to explain in these world terms, in our own world's terms. Sure, we might be able to compare heaven a little bit to some experiences in this life. You ever have a heavenly dessert? Chocolate and red fruit together? <laughs> Delicious. Ever gone and visit a paradise island for vacation? Amazing. A glorious moment that we might treasure forever. A friend of mine put an image on Facebook of his daughter and him sitting by a fire, spending time together on Friday night. And he said, this is what heaven looks like for me. So we can imagine a little bit what heaven looks like, but we'll never fully understand the full magnitude of what heaven's all about. And while we reflect the goodness of creation, we'll never know to the extent of just how amazing heaven is going to be until we experience it firsthand. One of the reasons that it can be challenging to look at the future of heaven might be because of our current situation and our circumstances. Perhaps you're here this morning and you might be wondering, uh, how can I look to heaven when right now my life seems like hell? Perhaps your marriage is failing miserably and you don't know what to do about it. Maybe your business is hemorrhaging money and it's on the brink of bankruptcy. And each night you lay at your pillow and you're wondering, how will you provide for your family or how are you going to be able to be able to retire? Maybe you're dealing with some sort of a relational conflict. Maybe there's a serious health issue. Maybe your kids are off the rails. Or kids... Maybe your folks are off the rails. <laughs> For some of us in these moments, it feels like we're trying to hold on to life with duct tape and rubber bands. And it's in those moments we wonder, how do we move forward? How do we go on? What's the point? Maybe for some of us, we say we should just give up the fight. Or maybe we're even asking, is being a Christian even worth it? Are you somewhat with me? Maybe. The scripture that David read a few minutes ago comes from the book of Revelation. Revelation was, uh, was written by the Apostle John 
during a time when Christians had become very weary in their faith. At that time, persecution was rampant under the hand of Emperor Domitian around 80 AD. Domitian was known for his cruelty after having killed his brother, and he commanded that the entire lineage of David be put to death. Believers were being crucified, hung on a cross for their faith. Believers were being dipped in oil. They're banished to remote islands to be silenced so that people wouldn't hear the gospel message. They were held captive until they renounced their faith in Christ. This was real stuff. I mean, we think we have it bad when our faith is under fire when the worship leader doesn't sing our favorite song on Sunday. This was a matter of life and death. The book of Revelation is not the easiest book in the Bible to understand. There's been much debate and interpretation over this book throughout history. Is Revelation a literal, trans, uh, literal description of end times? Will everything happen exactly as it is written? Now, obviously, we don't have time to dive into all of Revelation this morning. But in order to set where we're going for today, here is a 30,000-foot over, overview of this book. Revelation is a type of Jewish literature that was used symbol, as symbolic imagery to communicate hope. They're not necessarily historical events that will exactly take place as written. Rather, John was writing here to churches in Asia to bring hope and encourage endurance during their struggle. He was reminding them that they were not crazy, and though their current situation was extremely difficult, God had not forgotten them, and that final judgment was coming. John raised the hope of the believers by stretching their thinking beyond their current reality to focus on a new heaven and a new earth. It provided an escape for those who were enduring persecution. As one commentator writes, he says, though their life may end, they could hold fast to the knowledge that a better life awaited them at the fulfillment of God's plan for this world. Even today, this, uh, this vision exceeds the limits of our imagination as we anticipate the beauty and joy that, be, that will be revealed when the Lord makes his home on the new earth. It's very similar to what Bart Millard was trying to convey in his song, I Can Only Imagine. I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. Revelation gave believers a starting point to dream. It gave them hope and it gave them trust in what was to come. Let's take a moment and just read that verse again because it's so important to us as encouragement and hope. Here's what it says. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen? Amen. What a powerful image, a vision, something for us to see, to grasp hold and look forward to. What did John see? What did he see in that image? The first thing John saw was a city. John saw a new heaven and a new earth, not something that was old or weary, worn out, stressed and broken. This heaven and earth was brand new. Anyone buy a brand new car in the last couple months? Turned in your old jalopy, maybe a little bit of rust on the side, dirty on the inside, doesn't have the latest technology. But you walk into a dealership and what do you get? A brand new spanking Audi? Ooh, baby. <laughs> and we get behind that car, we actually feel a little bit better about our lives, don't we? <laughs> it's exciting. That's exactly what, Paul, what John is doing here. Not necessarily from a materialistic point of view of a new car, but he's painting a picture, an image of, of what's brand new, despite what our broken in our current situation might be. You see, this was not some fictitious place that was a figment of John's imagination. God was revealing through John a real and eternal place. And in the center of that place was a city which represented the body of Christ. This is the church and is described as something as beautiful, prepared, and set apart. In the city, there was no poverty, there was no potholes, there was no broken down tea lines or politics. It was a city that reflected the beauty of Christ. And in that city would be life, would be movement, would be growth and energy. The church is not something that just has been man-made, but it's something that's been made by God through his redemptive work that includes each and every one of us. That as God is changing our hearts, he is building into his church. People who have been transformed by God's love were in this city. People like you, people like me, people like Arthur, fully restored and new to its original creation, design, and intention. This was something that was impossible with man, but quite possible with God. I liken that image of the city to an everyday experience where we're seeing the Red Sox go down Boylston Street for the winning the World Series parade. The energy, the excitement, the joy, everything but the Bud Light beer can being thrown at the players. <laughs> That's the image that John is conveying here. It's a city that will be something that we will beyond our imagination, beyond what we can understand. John saw a city. He also saw God's presence. 
God's dwelling place would forever be among the people, and he would dwell with them. They would be his people, God will be with them, and they will be, and, and he will be their God. God will be with us. The longing for God, the mystery of God will cease. People won't be crying out, searching for God, but he will be there, fully present in our lives and in our midst. There'll be increased intimacy with the living God. And the people of God are the children of God. This summer, my, uh, my wife, Jamie's family, uh, uh, their grand, her grandmother, Gigi, we call her Gigi, celebrated her 90th birthday. And one of the nights uh, while we were together this summer, we had a celebration for her. And uh, there was this one moment that I remember where I was sitting on a farmer's porch, and, and I was on one chair, and Gigi was, you know, maybe a little bit over there by the communion table, and she was looking out at all the children, and they're running, and they're playing around the yard, and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren, we're all just having a blast together, being together. And Gigi just had this smile on her face. And in the moment, I just, I looked over, and I was thinking, imagine the legacy this woman is leaving, has created at 90 years old, and at some point, she will go home to be with the Lord. And in that moment, I thought, that's kind of what this city is going to look like. It's kind of God's dwelling and presence. It's what it's going to be like. No, not God, some old crotchety man, 90 years old, sitting on a chair, but it is going to be God dwelling amongst his children and smiling and experiencing a sense of joy. And the people experience a sense of joy because they're together. And they're experiencing that as one. John saw a city. John saw God's dwelling. And most importantly, John saw a hopeful outlook. See, God himself in this passage conveys that he himself will wipe away every tear. There will never be again mourning or pain or dying. Why? Because mourning, pain, and dying is the evidence of sin. And in his work of making all things new, he will eradicate sin in this world. It will be like a, like a cleansing that will, that will take place to remove sin and to restore to its original design and its original beauty. Kind of like what Jeremy Camp say, uh, Jeremy Camp's song that we just sang. There will be a day where there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, no more fears. There will be a day when the burdens of this place will be no more. We'll see Jesus face to face. It was an outlook that was new, restored, and different. Earlier this fall, Jamie and I and the girls, we purchased a house. And we're in the process of doing some renovations. And the house is, uh, was built in 1957, and one woman owned it. She was 94 years old and lived there her whole life. And it looked like she lived there, her, there her, her whole life. <laughs> I was telling some people on Friday night that in the bathroom, it's got the mint green and black tile on the walls. 
and it's got that, uh, that original Sears medicine cabinet with the lights and the mirror and the cabinet all together. And, you know, I kind of lifted it off the wall and pretended to drop it and break so we'd have to get a new one because <laughs> I didn't want to keep it in the house. But we're in this process of doing some renovations. In a sense, what we're doing is we're making something new. And that's what God is doing with each and every one of us. Each day that we walk with God, each day that we trust him, each day that we surrender our will to his will. Friends, he's renovating our heart. He's making us something new. And we're going to be part of that someday. How did John's vision of the new heaven and earth bring hope and endurance? Did three things. First off, it raises the expectation of our current reality that something better is in Christ. It raises the expectation of our current reality that something better is in Christ. See, oftentimes we get in the comparison game and we look at each other and we think, how come their life is better than mine? How come that person is not going through the same problems that I'm going through? Friends, can I tell you, we all have problems. We all have challenges. We're all broken. We all have shortcomings. We all make mistakes. We all have been hurt. It's the evidence of sin, not just in what we have done, but the entrance of sin into this world through Adam and Eve that's slowly been deteriorating and decaying and breaking this world day in and day out. And without Christ, without Christ, the world ends in destruction. Death. But in Christ, he is the redeemer. He is the one who restores. He is the one that's not just going to make your life better. He's going to make your life new. It's a rebirth. It's a new beginning. It's a new hope where you start on a journey and you walk with Christ. And though your, your current reality might seem bleak and messy, the hope that we have in Christ leads us and guides us through, gives us hope for the endurance on the journey, gives us the strength, and provides for us along the way. This image that we see in this passage of Revelation raises our current reality, raises our expectation in Christ. The reality is, is that we are in process and will be fully transformed in the new heaven and the new earth. I kind of liken it to like this. Right now, I kind of live with a dad bod. Anyone know what a dad bod is? It's the body of a dad. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard. Come on. <laughs> but in the future, it's going to be a beach bod. <laughs> you know what a beach bod is? <laughs> Six packs, baby, right here. <laughs> The gym is going to be that way. <laughs> but that's the work that God is doing inside of our heart, inside of our lives. Though our bodies, though our life may be broken, God is restoring it 
and making it new. We are in the process of being fully transformed in the new heaven and the new earth. And finally, it creates an urgency to reach those who do not have this hope. Friends, if there's nothing else that you have learned during this series, Living the Gospel, is that it is your job as a disciple in Christ to be disciple makers. God had plenty of option in order to redeem this world. But in some crazy way, for some crazy reason, he uses each one of us in our brokenness, in our mess, in our disaster of life. He uses us in order to reach other people for Christ. And as we are being made new, that creates an urgency in order to share that with others. That may be a, a spouse. That may be a neighbor. Wherever we are, we are called to be disciple makers. It, it turns our life completely around. It says, I'm no longer working for my own agenda, my career, my, my own future. We're saying, I'm going to totally turn around. I'm going to change. and I'm going to walk in a new direction. And that direction is living life with Christ. It's living the gospel. The gospel becomes our priority. We wake up every day focusing on how can I make this world better by sharing the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. You might think, well, that's a job for Pastor Paul or Pastor Todd or Pastor Christy. No, our job is to equip and prepare the body. And then the body goes out and extends that love of Christ in every place and community on this earth. It's one of the reasons why I love the uh, one of, uh, week six where Paul talked about uh, our work having redeeming value because our very work alone is in the redemptive process of creating a new heaven and a new earth. When we put our effort and our all into what we do, not for our paycheck, not for our climb up the corporate ladder, but for the glory of God, people are seeing something that's radically different than they'll ever experience elsewhere. They're seeing people who are focused on Christ. So what's our big idea this morning? What, 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 do, we, what do we take from, from this place this morning? Heaven gives us hope for today as we prepare for life with God forever. Everything we do, heaven is the vision, the image. It gives us that hope to live today as we prepare for life with God forever. This life is practice for what's to come. Eternity is going to last forever. And each day, God is preparing you for that day in eternity, where that new heaven and that new earth rules. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that today? 
How do we keep going? I want to offer you three things to think through this morning as we move forward into communion. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, whatever is going on in your world, good, bad, or indifferent, my challenge for you this morning is to keep going. That's what John was conveying here to the persecuted church. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't give up. Allow yourself to continue to rely on Christ, knowing that he who began a good work in you will bring it about to completion on the day of Christ. I read, a, I read an awesome quote this week from Paul David Tripp. He said, you may be poor in health, you may be weak in success, you may be lacking in love, but if you are rich in grace, you have a reason to get up and live with the hope with hope and courage. Does that not give us strength for today? Why? Because God is with us. And God has given us a promise and we walk in faith, knowing that where he is leading, we follow, is doing something in our lives far beyond what we can imagine here. Keep going. But then there's also an opportunity to keep growing. Friends, each day that we walk with Christ, there's something new to learn and know. And the more that we continue to change and adjust and, and, and uh, adjust our schedule in order to things that God is doing in our life, that is growing us and transforming us in that preparation for eternity. We don't just have small groups and classes and and, and uh, ministry opportunities here just to entertain folks and to give them something to do with their time. Each one of those things is an opportunity for growth, for transformation, and to, to continue to further on in your journey with Christ. If you're not part of a small group, I want to challenge you to really reconsider that. We have small groups that meet every single day of the week. And it's an opportunity to grow in community like we talked about in week three. And it's also an opportunity for us to continue to experience transformation together as we rub elbows and shoulders and rub up against other believers who will encourage us along the way in our journey. You're going to be hearing about the Class 201 uh, in a few moments. I want to encourage you, if you haven't taken Class 201, Developing Spiritual Maturity, this class is for you. That's a next step that you can take to keep growing. And then finally, keep going, keep growing. Finally, keep showing. What do I mean by that? Remember what Jesus said. You are the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. You're the salt of the earth. You are yeast. Wherever you go, you are the hands and feet of Jesus. You have an opportunity to extend love to people who have not experienced the love of Christ. You never know where somebody is, where, where they are in their life. You never know what's going on in their world. But I want to challenge you to do th two things. 
each day pray for an opportunity for God, for you to be able to extend the love of God to somebody. And then throughout your day, if you see or hear or sense God moving, stop whatever you're doing and make that your priority. If somebody starts asking random questions about spiritual things, the things of God, that's God answering your prayer. If you walk past somebody who's broken or hurting or struggling, be the one that stops the car and offers to help somebody out. If you see somebody hurting, be willing to give them compassion and empathy and let them know that there's a God who loves them. Keep showing God's grace. Keep showing God's love. Why? Because you were part of that new heaven and new earth. And you are conveying that new heaven and new earth to people who need to see it and know it. Amen? Let's pray. Gracious God, this is a powerful call, but the future is even more powerful. That you've given us the opportunity and the ability to continue on in our journey, but also to continue to extending the love of Christ to others. Thank you that we are part of that redemptive process called heaven, that we're going to be part of that city. Thank you that that's an inheritance that will never spoil or fade. And God, as we trust you, despite what our circumstances are today, despite what we are going through, help us to see that you are making all things new in us and through us. God, we ask that you use us in mighty ways, you encourage us in mighty ways, and you strengthen us in mighty ways. We ask this all in your son's name. Amen. One of the things that Jesus did before he left this earth is he shared a meal with his disciples. And he said, I'm leaving for a while, but I am coming back. And so that you don't forget about me. So that you don't forget about the things that I've shared and taught. So that you don't forget about what is to come. He said, from time to time gather and have this meal together called the Lord's Supper. So as a mark on today, as a mark at the end of this sermon series, as a mark as, as believers in Christ, we're going to have an opportunity to remember what's to come. It's an opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And it's an opportunity for us to stop and reflect on our lives, to ask for God's forgiveness, to ask God to strengthen us or make us whole in an area that's broken. Or it's an opportunity for us to say, God, I need strength for today. So let's just take a moment, bow our heads, and reflect in our lives and ask God for his grace and mercy and to touch us where we need to be touched today.
to the words of institution for Paul, from Paul. Paul said, that what I received, I passed on to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is for, me, for you. We take this together in remembrance of Christ's body broken for us. Take and eat together. supper he took the cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said this cup is a new covenant in my blood which is for you whenever you drink this do this in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's take a moment and reflect as the cup is being passed out The Son of God shed his blood in order to prepare us to be part of that city in the new heaven and new earth. It is real.
and it is finished in Christ. Let's take this together. Gracious God, thank you for the reminder. Thank you for your love that you have bestowed upon us. The sacrifice of your only son, that in his death we would live, that we would have hope. Thank you, God, that your son's blood was too expensive for us to become a perishable item, and that in you we have hope and a future that we can look forward to. We can only imagine what that's going to be like when we walk by your side. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but it's just been such a wonderful beautiful morning here together sharing this experience with you and as pastor todd made mention of earlier we do have uh, a few ways for you to continue to grow to continue to become part of this community and to continue to become more spiritually mature here and that's starting with uh, our next class that we have that's our class 201 and that class is going to take some time to explore four healthy habits that every Christian needs to become more spiritually mature. So if you've been through class 101 and you have not yet taken this class, this is for you. You can sign up for that online. And that is uh, next, sorry, it's next Sunday. And the Sunday after the 11th and the 18th, it's a two-part class from 9 to 10.30. So you're already here. So make the step and take the class if you haven't done that already. Also, next week we have the opportunity to, to worship together, to have some coffee together, because the guys of GuyWire have come together, and they're putting together this free event, the GuyWire Coffee House. So invite your friends, your family, get there. It's for the whole family. So come on out, enjoy some worship. We've got uh, the GuyWire worship team, some of the um, women singers of North River and some others as well leading us in a time of worship. That's going to be really fun. You can sign up for that at the GuyWire table outside today and also get more information. So that's next Saturday starting at 6.30. And then lastly, I'm really, really excited about this this next piece of things here this morning. Today is the day we're launching Operation Christmas Child here at North River. And all of our students, if you're here, raise your hand. If you were here last Sunday night, raise your hand, students. All right, these guys assembled 350 shoe boxes all together last Sunday night in order to be ready for this morning. You're going to find shoe boxes out in the lobby that you can take home today to fill to meet the needs of other people in other parts of, of the world that don't have as much as we have. And to help explain a little bit about what that's about, I'd like for you to take a look at this video. My name is Jeline and I grew up in one of the smallest islands among the thousands of islands of the Philippines. I grew up in an area close to a dump site. I remember my dad losing his job. I often watched my younger siblings and skip school so my mom could go to the dump site and look for things that she can sell to buy us food. 
I remember my dad built um, he built a house, we call it a house, because that's a house that we live. It's made of cardboard. Because of our situation, I've never received a gift as a kid. They couldn't even afford buy food for us, let alone gifts for birthdays and Christmas. So my sister started um, going to this church nearby. I remember I went after her one time and the pastor in that church invited me to come help them. I happened to help out the people, handed out shoebox to the kids in the neighborhood, including my sister. Every time I hand shoebox to the kids, there's a glimpse in my heart that I hope I can get one too. Little did I know towards the end, a lady came up to me and gave me the extra shoebox. I just felt so loved. Everything on the shoebox were very special to me. So it was the first gift I've ever received. And it was around Christmas. And seeing new items like notebooks and pencils, it was amazing. Now my life is different. I am forever grateful and blessed to be able to pack a shoebox with my husband and my girls. The feeling of giving back and knowing that this box represents a face of a child is amazing. Thank you for packing a shoebox. I've seen that video before and I'm still getting teary-eyed here this morning. This ministry, uh, you have the opportunity to, to take a shoebox home today to fill it with your family with practical items. And there's some suggestions that you can get and a little pamphlet inside or, or talk to April Short here who will be out at the table. Just send some suggestions on what to fill your shoebox with. And they make a world of difference. And not only that, but we encourage each one of you, pray for the child that is going to receive that shoebox because that's what it's all about, right? We're going to pray for those children. Each one of those kids, before they receive their shoeboxes, they are given the opportunity to hear the gospel message. And like Evangeline said, many of them, this is the first gift they've ever received in their lives. So we encourage you today, take part in that. It's a great uh, church-wide event that we can all do something so, so special together. At this time, we want to move into a time of offering. Second Corinthians tells us that, that God loves a cheerful giver that we've been called to give what God has placed on our hearts, not reluctantly, but in a way that is, that is cheerful and true. God wants us to give out of an abundance of love and caring in our hearts. And I want you to know that if this is your first time here, we don't expect you to give. This is for our members. These are for the people who are here with us regularly that call North River home. So as we move into this, remember that just as we sing and we pray, this is also an act of worship. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for, uh, for the work that you're doing in this church and for, within our hearts, God. And we just pray that you would bless this time of offering, that you'd help us to all give cheerfully. In Jesus' name, amen.
creation. 